Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another installment of the Chat with Traders podcast. You're listening to episode 46. Now, it's really great to have you listening, so thanks a lot for taking the time to tune in today. This week, I interviewed Hans Dieterle, who is the founder and president of Honza Financial, which is an options trading asset management firm located in Florida. Hans originally started out as an accountant before becoming a stockbroker. Following that, he began to trade independently and now trades other people's money as well. He's been doing this for just over eight years now, and one of the things I really liked that came about during our discussion was how Hans has a laser focus on quality over quantity. As a day trader, he averages between one to three trades per day, which he's usually in and out of within the first couple hours of each session. This then led into the topic of making money as a secondary objective and having a primary objective to consistently Make good trades in line with your strategy. A bunch of great takeaways over the next 45 minutes, so let's jump right to it. My name's Aaron Fifield. I'm your host of the Chat with Traders podcast, and here's my interview with Hans Dieterle. Hans, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. How are you? I am doing very well. Tell us, what's been happening? What have you been up to this week? I mean, how's trading going for you? Oh man, trading trading has been wonderful this week. Um, you know, solid volatility in the markets uh, as usual. You know, uh, creates for the perfect trading environment. So can't complain on that end. Good to hear. Good to hear. So, firstly, big thanks for coming on and doing an interview. It's really cool to be speaking with you. Now, let's see. So, some of the topics I'm keen to speak with you about will be how you got into managing money. Uh, what can we learn from your approach to trading? And really just some of the foundations developing traders can build from. So uh, how does this sound to you? Oh, perfect, perfect. Let's, let's dive right in. Cool. Okay. Well, let's do this. So Hans, I understand you've been actively trading for about eight years now, but take us back before this time though. What were you doing? What's your background? And what was your intro to trading? 
Well, it all started back in uh, my freshman year of college. Um, I started working as a uh, junior accountant, and uh, my boss at that time was a former broker on Wall Street and introduced me to the markets, introduced me to the world of investing, and, you know, I instantly fell in love with it. I mean, it was just, you know, something that just pulls you in. And so the following year after that, I decided to join a brokerage firm, got my Series 7, um, got licensed and just really just jumped into the world of investments. And uh, through that experience, you know, uh, being a broker, I always took the time in the evenings and nighttime to really just uh, jump into trading and just, you know, try and learn as much as I could to see what exactly I was selling to clients and how those stocks moved. And it, that's where I really got intrigued by trading and decided to really pursue that full time. Okay, so so let's just take it back right to the very beginning there. What do you think it was that initially appealed to you about about the markets or, or more specifically about trading? Um, what really intrigued me about the markets is just the uncertainty of it, the mystery of it because, you know, um, you, you really don't know whether a stock's going to go up, down or sideways, you know. And so it, it's really interesting how many different aspects of the market there is from, you know, a fundamental side, technical side. And uh, what really captured um, the interest for me in actual trading is uh, once I started, you know, uh, listening to earnings calls and, and watching how volatile the stocks can be, you know, right after an earnings call and even a few days after, that's when I really jumped in and found an interest for trading and decided that, you know, that was the path I wanted to take. Now, you mentioned at the beginning there that your boss at the time um, kind of introduced you to trading. How much did he teach you? Was it enough for you to get started or was it just enough to expose you to something new? It was really just enough to expose me to something new and, you know, especially coming from an accounting, you know, background, which you know, it's pretty dry. I mean, it, it, investments were just something that, you know, is, is just like, you know, it's like a diamond. It just like shines and just brings you in. So um, for, from a trading standpoint, that was, you know, more into about the second year of being a broker, but he really just gave me the foundation into the stock market. And, and that's when I just, you know, jumped into everything from the basics all the way to, you know, money managers and, and how they managed accounts. Okay. Okay. So, so at what point did you actually decide to become a broker? Because I, I take it you obviously left your job at the accounting firm and then switched to becoming a broker. So how did you go about this? Um, well, the, the nice thing was that, you know, it kind of, it kind of just fell into place, uh, so to speak. Um, when I worked for the accounting firm, we did mostly, uh, you know, tax preparation, uh, which I was involved with. So once that ended in April, you know, I just started looking into, you know, where can I apply to become a broker? And there were a few openings. And so I jumped in right into that. So, you know, it kind of went right from leaving the accounting position to uh, working for a brokerage firm. Sure. Okay. And and what was your experience like as a broker? And maybe if you could share with us, what were some of the greatest takeaways from being a broker leading into the 08 crash? Well, I'll tell you what, the, 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 the best insight is that when you work at a brokerage firm, you know, um, you pretty much 
are just another piece to the puzzle and it's just selling, selling, selling. So from a trading standpoint, unless you're really in a, in a division that's, you know, managing money and trading, um, you, you're not going to learn as much as you need to. That's more of, uh, you know, on your own time. But as a broker, it, it was very interesting seeing, um, you know, the information, everything, how it flowed, how to deal with clients, um, really just, you know, uh, dealing with the analyst and seeing, you know, what their recommendations were and just the whole gist of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very energetic, uh, environment. And so, you know, when you, when you get into it, it, it's, it's very exciting. Okay. So presumably you, you probably knew quite a bit about markets while working as a broker, like, like you kind of mentioned there, but not necessarily about trading itself. So how did you tackle the learning process of becoming a trader um, once you left the brokerage? Well, I actually started to really jump into learning about trading while I worked there. Um, a lot of times we would work evenings and I would spend my evenings and nights just you know, doing as much research as I could into actual trading. And it wasn't with a specific purpose. Um, like I trade now with technicals, it was just you know everything, uh, so to speak. So uh, once we started really getting into stock trading in terms of um, earnings reports, that's what really lured me in because, you know, every time a stock got halted, you know, it kind of made me think, why does that happen? How does it happen? Where do the orders come in? Um, you know, how do they get filled once it once it reopens? And that's when I really said, you know what, this might be something really interesting to get into because, you know, I would look into other blogs on trading and see how people would trade these companies off earnings and, you know, they were making a killing and, you know, it was just something very lucrative and very exciting at the same time. And so what were some of the things that you were researching um, during that phase, like you mentioned there? Um, were they things that you, like, did you have access to, to more uh, information and more content than your typical uh, trader on the retail side may have um, at that time we just had mostly just you know reports from from our analysts so it wasn't anything that you know a retail trader couldn't get I mean at that time you know we were really making headway into you know electronic trading um, you know still baby steps compared to where we are now but on the same token uh, you know where I was and retail traders were on the same page. Um, but for me, it was more so just skipping the reports and just getting right into the trading side because that's where, you know, a lot of people were placing bets and it wasn't necessarily based off, uh, you know, an earnings report because all the trades were placed before then. And that's when, you know, I really divulged into learning about trading and then the options part as well because that's where a lot of trades and a lot of hedges were made as well. Yeah, okay. I'm keen to ask you more about options um, a little bit later actually. Um, so just so we're clear, how did you transition from being a broker to then trading full time? Um, it, it was pretty much, you know, uh, it was an easy transition only because, you know, I was already studying it. I was already, you know, pretty much absorbed into 
learning as much as I could about trading. So once that time came that trading was a full-time thing, uh, you know, I was already in it all the way. So um, for me, it was a little bit different because now I was managing my own money, my own capital and not for other clients. So it was a little more uh, emotionally involved, so to speak, right when I started off. Okay, so when you did make that jump, with your own trading, you were already fairly consistent with uh, you know, your profits and your returns and that type of thing? Well, the, the unfortunate part and the fortunate part about when I started trading was it was at the peak of 08 when the market collapsed. But when I first started, it was maybe two or three months prior. And I remember distinctly my first seven trades were all profitable, all phenomenal profits and right when I made my first mistake and had my first loss is when the market started collapsing and then that's when the real learning curve you know set in for me as a trader <laughs> okay so I mean you had actually mentioned this to me um, before we started recording uh, this conversation but um, you, you mentioned that you um, had blown up one or two accounts so Speak to us about like how did this happen? Like what led up to that? What was what was the like the cause of why those two accounts got run into the ground? Well, the the, the biggest thing is emotion. The second biggest thing is is uh, is stupidity because you you know at that time I knew that the trades I was making weren't the right ones. But when you're a brand new trader and you have the type of market volatility that happened at that point in time you know everything just just hits you like like a like a ton of bricks and you don't really stick to your strategy and you take one loss you want to make it back so you jump into another trade make another loss and then you start you know averaging down making more mistakes and you know one thing leads to another and you just blow everything up i mean it it it's really just uh, an emotional roller coaster, just because it's your money, and you you make one mistake and you want to make it back as as quickly as possible, and that's just you know uh, the biggest hurdle that I had to deal with is is really just sticking to my strategy and not you know becoming way too emotionally involved. Okay, and, and besides becoming too emotionally involved um, and that type of thing, were there any other other challenges or other significant failures that you had to overcome which were also frustrating at the time well in terms in terms of day trading um it's it's a very it's a very tight type of trading what i mean by that is you know it's not like you're you're buying and holding it's not like swing trading you're getting in so you basically have to fight volume you have to fight volatility you have to fight spreads um and you also have to fight the market makers and the specialists who are always against you. So, I mean, there, there were many hurdles and all those hurdles uh, can really take a toll on you if you're not careful. And the way to be careful is to really devise a strategy that makes sense and that, you know, works with your particular trading style. And a lot of times when I first started out, that was the mistake I was making is not rationalizing a trade and just jumping in just to actually make a trade. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Now, moving forward just a few more years, 
you began to actually uh, manage money for, for other people. So how did this opportunity come about and had it always been your intentions from the get-go to take on other people's money? Um, for me, it, 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 was never, it was never an end goal to manage other people's money. For me, uh, trading was more of a lifestyle, was more of um, you know the excitement of the job. Uh, to me, it was a dream job to be a trader. And um, once I started really being profitable and I had 11 months of consistent profitability, um, that's when, you know, family members and friends started taking notice and wanted to be involved. And, you know, once I started managing money for them and, you know, being successful in doing so, that's when I decided, you know, maybe this is the path I could take because, you know, uh, Right now, you know, hedge funds are emerging. It's the the new hot career, and so you know, if I'm good at what I do, why not jump into it? Why not try it out? So that's when I really decided, after managing money for friends and family, is you know maybe I can make this uh, you know a long term thing. Okay, and and when this began to happen, you were of course handling larger amounts of capital. How did this affect your decision making, your psychology? And just your your overall trading, did it have any effect in, in any way? Um, it actually had a more positive effect only because, you know, uh, when you're trading your own capital, um, you know, you have more of a safety concern and you put that mental block in your mind and sometimes you miss the right opportunities to make an entry and to make an exit. When I'm managing other people's money, it kind of takes that personal emotion out of it and I can focus more on the actual trade and not the monetary value and not how much I'm looking to make out of a trade. So I'm looking more at the entry and the exit and so it's more of a a professional standpoint and not an emotional standpoint. So once I was able to take the emotion completely out of it, is when it, it really just started clicking for me. And that was uh, especially when I started managing money for other people. Um, you know, it's, it's just a different, it's a different caliber of trading. My trading style never changed, but it had to become more adaptive to, you know, higher capital allocation. And also um, uh, with that said, you know, the emotions taken out. So it's easier for me to be able to handle multiple accounts at once and not be, you know, uh, strapped down wondering where, where, where everything is going, what's happening and, and all that. All right. Good one. So Hans, I'd like to now focus more on your style of trading. So if you could just take a few minutes to describe your actual method of trading and the types of trades that you like to be involved in. Um, as, as for me, I like to trade in mostly uh, tech and biotech companies. Um, I think that for my style of trading, uh, high volatility stocks are, are the only way to go. Um, I did When I did start trading uh, first, in my first few years, I did trade stocks primarily. Um, once I learned about options and the leverage they provided and, and the uh, minimal capital you can put up, you know, based on how, how much you're actually controlling in, in stock, uh, that's when I, you know, decided to trade options uh, full-time. And for me, what I look for in my trading strategy is 
mostly reversals, and these happen usually in the first 30 minutes of the trading day. Um, and this was one article that I read that talked about specialists and market makers and how the correlation between them and retail traders is the same as Vegas and gamblers. I mean, the house will always win. So, you know, especially in this day and age where everything is electronic, you know, you're not going to beat them, so you might as well join them. So um, I kind of started to develop that into my strategy. And a lot of times, you know, there'll be gaps in the morning, either up or down, and I'll basically watch the volume. I'll see where the resistance and support is based on the candlestick patterns um, on my five-minute charts. And that's the way I place my trades is to find the extreme on either side. So, um, for example, if, if Netflix drops on the open and we're down 5% and I'm looking at the volume, you know, the typical reaction from, from any, you know, beginning retail trader is going to say, you know, let me sell out of this position because it's dropping. For me, it's let me find that, you know, uh, support level at the bottom because this is where the big boys are buying in and that's where I'll place my position on a call and ride that up. And it's the same pattern if it's, you know, reaching a high point, reaching resistance um, on a gap up, then I'll be looking to place a put option. So um, for me, for me, my style of trading is mostly reversals and that is also why I only place about, you know, one or two or three trades a day because I try to focus on the quality of the trade and not necessarily the quantity and, and, and just scalping. Right. Okay. So I've of course got a bunch of questions around um, your, your comments there. So first of all, trading the open, I mean, that's generally the most volatile part of any given day. And there's, there's a lot of noise, uh, lots of short, sharp moves. What helps you to get a clear read on what's going on here or, or to even anticipate the direction? Um, for me, it's just I, I usually take a look at um, I take a look at the stocks that I have on my platform and I take a look at the charts and I try to see where they are relative to the prior day's close. So um, if they're already gapped up, um, then I'm going to be looking to have a put position ready to trade. Uh, same thing if they're gapped down and be looking to have a call, a call position. So for me, it's mostly looking for, for the extremes in the volume because um, you're going to have your high and low set within the first 30 minutes of the trading day. So, you know, the broad markets don't really, you know, matter to me. The futures don't matter. It's really just looking at that individual stock and uh, for me, it's the price action, the volume, because, you know, there could be a huge gap up. It'll start to push up even higher, but the volume will be extremely low. So that'll be, you know, an indicator for me to get into a position. So for me, it's really the extremes and they usually happen every day unless there's some kind of catastrophic event in the market. Okay, so just on the topic of volume there, I mean, some traders really do factor this into their trading decisions and it sounds like, you know, you're one of those traders. And then on the other hand, some have very little regard for volume. But I mean, could you just share a little more on, on what you like to see happen with the volume to give you conviction on a trade? For me, I'm looking at not only volume but also level two because I'm trying to see where the order flow is going. So, um, for example, if if we're you know, let's say we're at we're at neutral on the day, so it's not so the stock hasn't moved 
pre-market. And the first candle, it gaps up, and let's say it's up, you know, stocks at 100, and it's up at 105. So what I'm looking at on the volume is I'm looking to see what the order flow is. Are there more sellers coming in at this peak? Are there more buyers? And that's really where my conviction is. Um, I don't like to try, I don't like to add too many indicators. Um, I use RSI strictly as a lagging indicator, and that's that's on more of an extreme level. Um, for me, it's just using the candlesticks, and I mean, every day it's the, it's, it's the same it's the same setup. So um, it's really also a psychological standpoint because you know, as much as everything is electronic, everything's controlled by specialists and market makers, and everybody placing a trade. Um, you know, besides your your big funds and 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 you know algorithms. I mean, there a lot of them are retail traders, so there's a lot of human emotion involved. And so what I look for is the greed in the market. And the greed in the market is what really, you know, uh, develops a, a, a solid trade because um, the volume will tell me whether, you know, people are starting to pull back, whether they're still buying. Once I see weakness and that's where my price action is my primary indicator, that's when I'll start to, you know, have a trade ready and place it when I'm starting to see resistance or support. Okay. Okay, cool. So typically speaking, um, one to four trades per session, um, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, that's a fairly low number for a day trader. Uh, this is obviously intentional. So, so share with us why you choose not to take more trades. Well, I mean, the first part, I mean, I mean, commissions will eat up your profits if, if uh, you know, if you're taking way too many trades in a given session. Um, but, uh, you know, that point aside, for me, it's, it's always been quality over quantity. And I look for, I look for moves that I can get into and ride the wave instead of just, you know, getting, I don't know, 10 cents on a, on a contract and then and then pulling out. So what I like to do, um, let's say for example, I'll buy a call option, I'll put a trailing stop in, and so you know it'll be at a ten cent you know interval. So every ten cents it goes up, my stop gets moved up. So even if it drops again, I'll be you know stopped out at a profit. So for me, I like to get into a solid trade where all my instincts and all my indicators are giving me a solid conviction and be able to ride that move up a few minutes um, and then exit the position instead of just trying to scalp, you know, a few cents per per move. Um, and, and that's worked for me for, for many years. Um, I tried the scalping, but it's just, it is really, you know, it gets too complicated and it's, it's just, it just gets messy. Okay. So with that being said, how long would you say on average you hold a position for? Um, you know, that actually, it, it varies. Um, I'd say, I'd say on average between, let's say, uh, one to five minutes. Um, there's positions. I, I placed a position, uh, last week where I was in and out in about 30 seconds. Um, it really just depends on, on how extreme the move is in, in the individual candle. Um, you know, if, if, if the stock's at, at 100 and I'm in a trade, I'm in a call trade, uh, 
and it goes to 104, then then you know I'm gonna exit my position. So, um, it it really all just depends. I I usually try to set an entry and exit on each trade, um, and you know if it jumps into a next candle and just keeps going higher and higher, then I'll wait a little bit. Um, if not, then I'll just exit my position. So I try I try not to get too greedy with each trade, but I do like to have a set target um, with each position I enter. Okay, so you just said there that some of your trades might range from 30 seconds up to like five minutes. I mean, that kind of sounds like it's borderline on scalping. How does it differentiate from scalping? Well, how it differentiates is the fact that, you know, because, because of the volatility in the first 30 minutes, um, you know, there are going to be, you know, very wild swings in either direction. So um, there can be a pop, a drop, and another pop, and then it's just going to ride up, up, and away for the rest of the day. But f- for me, um, a lot of times I've seen friends that scalp, and, and I've even tried it my first two years of trading, is just looking for a few cents per move um, and get out and get in and get out. But for me, it's it's just, you know especially in these stocks that you know are so volatile the moves will be quick and if you're in the right position at the right time and that profits there then I'm gonna take it um, otherwise if I held it longer then it would turn more into like a swing trading scenario and that would be for more you know uh, more into the session so I tried to end my trades around 10 15 10 30 is is when I'm done and that's where the most volatility is. So I try to make sure I capture my profit instead of, you know, being greedy and then and then taking a loss. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. I mean, you spend very little time actually, um, I don't know if it's the right word, but invested actually active in the market. So how do you actually find those you know one to two three four trades that you might take in a session like how do you do you have an idea before the bell rings what trades you might be taking that day i mean definitely definitely i i usually trade um you know i pick two stocks i kind of done you know a lot of back testing a lot of research uh, a lot of you know studying charts um on individual stocks and i try to figure out which companies work with my strategy the best and so I'll have them set up and I mean for example I'll trade Netflix and Amazon day in day out and I've traded them for the last four or five years and it's it's the same moves all the time um, you know with exception obviously so for me is I'll set up my you know uh, 
my options, set up my trades, and I'm ready to go. So if I see, you know, a gap up, a gap down, or a neutral, then I already know, you know, where my gut's telling me where it's going to go, where the pro highest probability that it's going to go, and that's where I'm, you know, ready to pull the trigger. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a little more involved than that, but I always have a game plan going in, um, and I like to be, you know, prepared for each trade. Okay, so so essentially there's there's two stocks that you really like to focus in on, um, and that's essentially where most of your trades are taken within those those two stocks. Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, cool, cool. So I'd like to pick up on something uh, you touched on a little bit earlier, um, and that was kind of trading on the actions of market makers. And I'd like it um, if you could perhaps go into this a little bit more. So just help us understand the concept of this a little bit more, of trading the actions of market makers. Well, definitely. Um, you know, mark, market makers are, are in it for, you know, to, to make a profit and they're not going to lose. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones from the big firms, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, um, you know, list goes on. And so they're basically the ones that, you know, are on the other side of our trades. They're the ones managing the order flow. They're the ones that have their own capital and, you know, in the millions uh, <clears throat> to really, you know, keep, keep, keep the individual stock, you know, liquid. And e each stock can have, depending on their volume, up to, you know, from four to 40 market makers. And so you have to know that these guys, you know, are all going to make money. And so you have to be on their side. And, you know, it's like I talked about before, when the market's dropping, then, you know, they're slowly buying up. And when the market's just ripping higher, I mean, they're starting to accumulate short. So um, you'll never know because now, you know, you have dark pools and you have, you know, uh, smaller block trades. So they they have a way of manipulating and, and really hiding their individual trades so you'll never know but I mean it's just a pattern that I've noticed when I started and it still holds true to this day that you know these guys are in there and they're making their trades and if you're on the same side as them then you're making money and if you're not then you're losing I know a lot of times when I would place a trade and I would say you know what this is the perfect position to buy and I would buy and all of a sudden the market, you know, would just, the, the individual stock would just crash. And, you know, I would either get stopped out or at the sellout. So, and as soon as I did so, you know, then it would pop up again. So it, it's, it's really about timing and it's really about understanding, you know, what their mindset is. And once you click into that and you really start making trades on, you know, <clears throat> on their fundamentals mentally, then you'll, you'll be successful. Okay, so is there anything that that confirms or makes it very obvious to you that you're on the same side as the market makers? Um, for me, it's 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 more so it's more so looking at at the extremes. Once I start to see the support and the resistance, you'll start seeing that um, you'll start to see the switch in the number of trades and the, the actual volume in the level two. Um, and in those extremes, they'll have in the individual candle, you'll see that they'll, for example, if it's down big and 
you know, they'll pop it up a little bit, bring it back down, pop it up, bring it back down. And once you start to see that, you'll start to see the consolidation happen in, in the individual candle itself. Um, and I use five minute candles. And so that's when I start to see that the momentum is there to go back up, the accumulations happening on the buy side. And that's when I'll place a position. Um, a lot of times I'll want to, the next candle drops even more, but I have to see that support. And if I don't see it and if I don't see them, you know, um, starting to accumulate slowly, then then it's not something I want to get into. Okay, sure thing. So, yeah, that's good to get a little more uh, insight on that. Now, this is something we were speaking about a little bit off air, um, and that was simplicity. And I mean, this, this seems to be a topic that's come up quite a lot uh, lately. But how have you made a conscious attempt to keep your trading style simple and also, is it occasionally difficult to maintain simplicity because naturally we have the urge to often overcomplicate things? You know, it, it, it's, always, it's always interesting um, whenever I see other traders online or I see, um, you know, seminars and they'll have a chart and it'll be just jam-packed of indicators. And, you know, what happens is, is a lot of times you confuse yourself when you have too many indicators and you know they're not always going to be in correlation with each other and so you're going to make mistakes for me um rsi is the only thing i have on my chart and that's more of a, a lagging indicator that's more of a you know final conviction for me um if the stock's trading at its extremes be it, you know whether it be uh, you know on the low side or the high side um but when you when you keep it simple you you stop overanalyzing because especially in, in day trading, there's no time to really overanalyze. It's either you know you're getting into a position or it's gonna it's gonna jump away and, and you miss your opportunity. So um, for me it's it's find find the conviction and the simplicity of the actual stock because it's there. Price action will always tell you where a stock's going to go. Everything else is just more of a, you know, uh, probability, you know, in essence. So, um, price action and volume has, has always, has always really been, uh, the most important thing I rely on. Um, plus, I mean, is stocks don't really move, uh, necessarily on fundamentals or technicals. They move more so on, on supply and, and demand imbalances. So, you know, uh, it's, it's who's buying and who's selling, and that's going to drive the extreme of any stock. That's what's going to drive your price action. That's what's going to move uh, the price. That's what's going to drive the chart patterns, and that's the easiest way to make a trade because once you start overcomplicating and putting way too many indicators on your chart, I mean, <clears throat> you're just looking at a maze, and you just confuse yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great point you bring up. Um, and, and something else that came up when we were initially exchanging emails back and forth, um, you hit on the importance of creating a system and sticking to it. So what I'd like to ask you, as a discretionary trader, what does having a system mean to you? Um, a system to me is <clears throat> most importantly being disciplined. And, um, you know, a lot of times, especially as a new trader, um, you know, I would do it and, and many other people have done it. You, you make one bad trade, and then you try to make that money back as quickly as possible 
and then you completely throw your system out the window because you're focused on one thing and that's making back a loss and not actually focusing on trading. I mean, you're, you're always going to fail your way to success. I mean, that's just hands down. So <clears throat> for me, the most important thing is, is discipline and having a strategy and sticking to it. Um, obviously, emotion is the hardest thing to take out, and that takes years because, you know, we are human, so, you know, emotion's always going to be there, but you want to limit it to a point where, you know, it doesn't affect your trading style, per se. <clears throat> so for me, it's I don't look at it as how much money can I make. I look at it as, okay, here's the chart. Here's what's happening. This is where I want to enter. This is where I want to exit. And that's it. So, you know, everything else is, is secondary, secondary to that. Okay. Now, you hit on emotion there, and I'd just like to not uh, skip over that because it is such an important thing um, to traders, um, and it affects, you know, pretty much everyone who's involved in this game. So, over the years, how has your attachment to money kind of shifted? Like you said, it took, you know, a matter of years before you begin to kind of not ignore, but reduce the impact that emotions had on your trading. So what type of things have changed over over time? As with anything, I mean, it's really experience and, you know, if you have discipline with experience, then you're, you're going to move in the right direction. If, you know, anybody can be doing something 20 years and be doing the wrong thing for 20 years. So you really just need to focus on, you know, the strategy, the discipline, and look at money as a secondary objective. The, the primary objective is to make profitable trades each and every time. And even if you make one bad trade, two or three in a row, you just need to still focus with your strategy and you know stay disciplined to it and and never quit because i used to look at money as the end game you know how much can i make on this trade how much on that trade um but money capital really is just a tool and so <clears throat> when you take that out of the equation and just focus focus on the trading at hand then that that's when you'll start really focusing on what needs to be done and you know the profits will they'll be there at the end of the day you know, but if, if that's the only thing you're focusing on, then you're not going to be successful as a trader. Yeah. So, so speaking of kind of sticking to a strategy, even after, you know, several losing trades, how did you gain the confidence to stick to a strategy? Because I mean, as a, as a trader who's still kind of on the come up, many struggle to have confidence in what they're trading. Um, so, so how did you get the confidence to, to stick with a strategy in the early years, even though it hadn't really proved to you yet that it was a good strategy to, to be even be trading in the first place? Um, I mean, to, to really be confident in a strategy just takes perseverance. Um, you know, especially with trading, it, it's an ever-changing landscape and you're always going to have to adapt to different conditions. Um, you know, with, with my strategy, it's pretty much been the same for, I'd say five or six years, but it has always been tweaked, you know, a tiny bit here, tiny bit there to really adapt to the market. And, um, and, and that, and that's the important thing is just to, is to know that, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but sometimes you're going to have to make improvements. And, 
that's what I've done, and I'm sure there will come times where the market's going to change up a little bit, and I'm going to have to, you know, adapt to that and kind of make improvements to my strategy as well. So, you know, um, it just takes perseverance and really just like practice at it. I know I spent about, I'd say, four to six months tr- paper trading my uh, my strategy just to, you know, fine tune things and and really just you know focus on 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 the actual trading instead of the money because uh like i said like we went on before before, when you take the emotion out everything just rides much smoother so um if you have a strategy you know practice with it first really fine-tune it and then implement it into the actual market okay well said well said so um just while we're kind of on the subject of it the fear of missing out is a real thing for many traders, um, and I, I'm sure this is something that you've been affected by uh, in the past, even if you're not affected by it too much in current times. How did you deal with this? And speak to us about your views on chasing trades. A lot of times you will, as a new trader, I mean, you're obviously going to want to chase trades, and and the, the problem is you, you chase the wrong one. So, I mean, I've, I've done it countless times where you know you you have a position move against you and you just want to hold it and hold it and just you know hope it comes back you know um 90% of the time it doesn't and you just take a bigger loss than if you would have just you know stuck to your to your stop loss and and got stopped out or actually sold out by yourself um and then again on the flip side you know you have a position you have a small profit and you cash out before and then you see it just keep riding and you missed out on on hundreds or thousands of dollars in profits. So um, the important thing is to, you know, if a position moves against you and it's at your whatever your risk tolerance is, mine is 2%, I will exit that position and and that's done. So if none other, no other opportunities come, then I wait till the next day. Um, if I have a winning position, then I'll put in a trailing stop and so I have my profits locked in. And uh, I'll either ride it out or I'll just take a profit and then the position and look for another one. So um, the important thing is not to chase the wrong side of the trade. And a lot of times for um, for traders and for me as well, when I started, um, you're chasing the wrong trade and you're you're letting your losers lose and your winners you're cutting short and that's and that's a huge mistake. Sure thing. Okay, really great answer there, Hans. Um, now. Let me ask you one last question, and then we'll probably um, we'll probably call this a wrap. So, are there any resources, blogs, uh, websites, or books you'd like to recommend to traders listening that have been helpful to you? Um, for 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 any traders that are actually looking to you know uh, trade intraday, I would say. Um, <clears throat> You know, just basically go online and 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 just look up trading. Just just look up the the fundamentals of it, and really, you know, set up a paper account and just start trading. And and you know, it's more of a trial and error. Um, I don't think there's really any book or textbook that's really going to give you, uh, you know, a great answer or a great blueprint for for day trading. I mean, you know, value investing and and long term investing. Um, you know. Those are great for other people, but you know you can read up on that all you want. But for trading, it's more of a, you know, experience type of career. So, 
you know, all it is is just do your fundamental research and just build a foundation. Um, just read as many articles as you can and, you know, open a paper account and just start trading and just and just figure out what works for you. Totally. Brilliant answer. Now, Hans, where can listeners go to find out more about you and to also connect with you? Uh, to connect with me, um, you can connect with me on on Twitter um, at H uh, Dieterle. That's D E D E R L E, um, and my firm uh, is www.hansafinancial.com. Uh, it's H O N Z A, and also I'm also on Twitter, not Twitter, Instagram. Sorry, at H O N Z A Options, and that's with a Z. So. You can all find me on there. Awesome. Okay. And guys, I'll be sure to include links to all of those um, in the show notes. All right, Hans. Well, thank you very much for doing this. It's been awesome speaking with you. So have a great evening and let's speak again soon. All right. Perfect. Thank you for having me again. No trouble. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders.